Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Quote Unquote with KK. As you know, Chat GPT has taken the world by storm after it was launched last year on 30th of November. Sal Altman, the founder of OpenAI, who was the developer himself, warned the U.S. Senate committee that if gone unregulated, how it would fall in wrong hands and create havoc for the world, and that all the countries of the world should regulate AI for its development and use. Later this year, in June, when he visited India at an event in Delhi, Sam Altman was asked whether three Indian engineers with $10 million could build something similar to OpenAI. In response, Sam said it was hopeless for a young team from India with limited resources to build a foundational artificial intelligence model similar to OpenAI. We will come to know his hopelessness on India later in our podcast. Let me roll back in time just for Sam Altman and our listeners' benefit. From 2003 onwards, my team at Wipro was doing for United Healthcare Viva Auto automating claims processing right out of India. We use various automation tools for voice dictation, fraud detection, etc. We called it BPO and not AI. And for United Health Pinout in Genix, now called Optum Health, I strategized with the founder, Andrew Slavitt, on what sort of data models and predictive capabilities we can build on the petabytes of health claims data from 1970 onwards that was sitting on their mainframe computers, unused. At that point in time, we called it ETL and data processing strategy and not AI. Later in 2007, when I was heading Jubilant Life Sciences, I had over 500 scientists and bioinformatics specialists working on drug discovery models using whatever we call now as NLP for various multinational life sciences companies such as LA Lilly, Pfizer, etc. right here in India and called it drug outsourcing and life sciences KPO. When I went entrepreneurial in 2012, I launched an algo-based quant hedge fund which was the top performing hedge fund along with Nisim Taleb. When we predicted the Chinese crisis and the market crash in 2015 after three years of building the algo and backtesting. We called it algo-based quant fund and algo-based quant trading. Later, I sold and exited the fund. So even before Chad GPT came into prominence, one of my startup developed a COVID bot using used on WhatsApp after a lot of global policy changes with WhatsApp legal officer out of San Francisco and rolled it out on our 104 health line across four state and this was world's first bot to triage COVID before Israel launched it their its own version on WhatsApp. This startup was Stanford University's world's top 50 startup to give impact during COVID lockdown. So it begs me to understand that Sam Altman's statement is very anti-Indian as far as AI is concerned. Just a few days or a few weeks back, we had Elon Musk, the founder of X, Twitter X, SpaceX, Tesla X, OpenAI, adding another X, X to his list and he announced XAI as the new artificial intelligence company that will aim to understand the true nature of the universe using AI. And obviously he has poached a team from OpenAI, DeepMind, Microsoft, Tesla. And we'll also try to understand his profound statement and intent about the universe and what he intends to do with the universe as well. To discuss all these issues, I have invited, and now I'm going to read verbatim from the authors of the book, AI Rising, India's AI Growth Story. Gentlemen, let me invite Jayant Kola and Leslie Dimon. Let me further read on what ChatGPT tells them and about the book. This is a book that explores the current and future state of AI in India and the world. It covers topics such as history, evolution, application, challenges, opportunities of AI across various domains such as healthcare, education, agriculture, entertainment, finance, and more. It also provides insight and perspective on how AI can transform business, industry, and society at large. The book aims to demystify the concept of AI and help readers 
us from their own opinions about it. I have several more opinions and I'm also going to put the link to the book as well on our podcast. Let me read what ChatGPT tells about Leslie. More than what I know about Leslie, Leslie DeMonte is a journalist, author, speaker, and communist who specializes in technology and science writing. He is currently the national technology editor at Mint, a business publication of HT Media. He is also Mass Institute of Technology, MIT, Knight Science Journalist, Journalism Fellow, and a TEDx speaker. He is one of the co-authors of the book AI Rising, India's Artificial Intelligence Growth Story with Jayan. He has worked with leading media groups such as the Times of India, Business Standard, Hindustan Times, and Network 18. Leslie has a Master's of Art degree in English Literature from the University of Mumbai, and he is also a MIT Knight Science Journalism Fellow. He has also attended various short-term courses and workshops on topics such as data journalism, digital media, science communication, and more. Let me come to Jayant, what ChatGPT says. Jayant Kola is a co-founder and partner at Convergence Catalyst, a tech consultancy firm based out of Bangalore, India. He is also an author, speaker, columnist, and advisor on topics such as AI, 5G, data economy, and digital transformation. He has over 20 years experience in telecom, media, and technology. According to information on ChatGPT, Jayant has a Master's of Business Administration degree from Institute of Symbiosis Institute of Business Management in Pune. He's, he also has a Bachelor of Engineering degree in Electronics and Communication from Jawaharlal Nehru Technological University in Hyderabad. He is also an advisor to the MIT Night Science Journalism Program. Now, gentlemen, let me get you to do your self-fact-check on chat GPT and your introduction to the book. And let's deep dive into your book and the issues and context on where does India stand on artificial intelligence. So welcome to Quote and Quote with KK, Jayant and Les. Thank you. Okay. Leslie, you'd like to go first or you want me to? <laughs> I, call out the hallucinations. Know. Call out the hallucinations in our own profiles. I, I, I honestly don't know what to say. Yeah, right? it is true that I'm an MIT Night Science uh, Journalism Fellow 2010-11. And it is true that I worked with, so I worked with Mint, with uh, Business Standard, but never with Network 18. I have no clue where that thing came up from. And I definitely, I didn't understand what workshops and stuff that, I mean, anybody under the sun would would have done any workshop that's done. But you know, I'm giving Chat GPT the benefit of doubt because if you look at the cutoff date, it's September 2021. But even then, it is pretty inaccurate. For that matter of fact, that it says that it mentioned some fact out there, which I was wondering from where did it get it because there's no such thing in my resume that even remotely matches with it. But I guess it's it's fun to watch Chat GPT do a job. I think it whatever it sort of you know scraped from the internet, it managed to get all that stuff uh, here. Yeah, uh-huh, yes, I think it was referring to my national technology editor now that yeah, was something that it was almost a decade old uh, designation of mine designation. after that I, I moved league beyond that so pretty interesting I'm, uh, to watch it uh, you know it's like a kid uh, trying to struggle with somebody's stuff which is exactly what I treat a chat GPT as a kid yeah. not to be taken too seriously but at the same time when it gets connected to the internet and when it starts scraping then it when it starts playing havoc so if you if you give a child a grown up person's toy they'll manage to play around with it for some while but after some time believe me they'll manage to 
crack it and play havoc with it. So a tool in the wrong hand can, but it, it, it's fun. Leslie, James, I, how about I, I, you? No, first, yeah, same. You know, when it was saying Leslie is a national technology editor and because I know Les more than 12 years and so much close, I knew that, okay, you know, chat GPT's uh, training cutoff date is September uh, 21 and, you know, and, and that's the latest information that it has on Les because Leslie is not NTE anymore beyond that at some time. That. But for me, you know, the first part what chat GPT did, it did a great part of scraping the internet and putting together my profile, but it got all my education qualification wrong. First of all, I did not have an MBA. Okay. I, and, and I'm extremely proud of that fact that, uh, you know, 15 years into the into the field of search and consulting and 12 years of uh, running my own consult firm. Okay. And I don't have an MBA. My co-founder doesn't and most of don't. And we actually do strategy consulting, you know, based on our uh, industry experience. And we've been helping clients, you know, the biggest of the biggest, the, you can think of any trillion dollar uh, tech company in the world. Global tech companies are client to the uh, to the smallest uh, startup, extremely innovative startup. And we've been actually helped, right? So I am an advisor and a guest lecturer at Symbiosis. And I'm not a MBA from Symbiosis. And my Bachelor of Engineering is from BMS College Bangalore and not JNTU Hyderabad. And I attribute a lot of my growth, persona, character for my BMS education. And it has got nothing to do with the in-class ex- uh, you know, education, but everything to do with Bangalore and college. Extremely proud of it. And no, I'm not an advisor to MIT Science Fellow, uh, you know, or Night <laughs> Night Fellow School of Journalism at all. No, un- un- unless you're advising me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we both do. So, but but here's the thing, right? I mean, you know, chat GPT, it, it starts off so extremely well. And towards the end, it feels saying, and not just towards end, even within certain elements, for example, less in your case, right? Three out of the four uh, previous employers, it got right, right? So it's extremely difficult to call out the hallucination or the wrong part because, you know, that's how very well integrated it is. I mean, even for you to, you know, re- so call it, out that know, network. What, basically, it's, it's known as Gable's light in history. Yeah. So where yeah. you take a lot of truth and then you put in one untruth over there. So people start believing it because, you know, 75% of what you said is true. People sort of, you know, uh, reach a level where they say, okay, fine, even this is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. What if he has said 75% true, they will not do fact-checking on the 25%. Like for instance, I never did my English literature. What was, there was no need for it because I'm a science guy and uh, economics. Really nothing to do with English literature. So I was wondering where did that come from? Yeah, but for for an external person, they'll put like, okay, journalist, English literature, Oh, it matches. So it's a lot of conjecture, which is exactly yeah. what Chat GPT and all okay. LLMs do. Yeah. Because that is exactly, uh, they are very good at conjectures and very good at connecting the dots. But that nece- doesn't necessarily make it true. So, exactly. Gentlemen, you will be surprised that what Chat GPT throws. I'm an accomplice of Neeram Bodhi, CFO of his firm. ED and CBI are behind me. I was put behind Ooh. bars. Wow. wow. <laughs> and then I had to change my name to Kapil Khandelwal KK. <laughs> wow. Oh, because KK. <laughs> yeah. That was after whatever happened to Nira Modi. <laughs> good, good. In the, that way, we, we got away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That way, we got away easy. <laughs> I, I, I think this is this is the revised version of Chat because earlier I remember checking my own resume on Chat GPT. It showed me as a Stanford guy. It didn't even mention the MIT at that point. MIT. Time. So I said, MIT. when did I when did I go to Stanford? So it was interesting, but uh, yeah. Hey, let's hit it off now. Let's talk a little bit about your book. A lot of nuggets of wisdom and. I advise our listeners also to order one and read it. I want to go back to 
you know, when did you decide to write the book, AI Rising, and what was the inspiration to write the book? Ah, that's some story. Yes, that's yours. That's all. Yeah. Yours. No, <laughs> ChatGPT is able to tell about all this. So this is the additional oh, to what ChatGPT is telling about you guys and the book. Oh, yeah. Well, I, so, I, I, so, I, so, Kapil, here's your, here's your choice. You have the guys who've done it. So, you know, you want to rely on ChatGPT and get the guys fact check it or you want no, no, the no. guys to I, I don't want now. Uh, so, yeah. I've debunked uh, what chat, the capability of ChatGPT is. So, let's Thank go you. back into our podcast and talk face to face. And that is the whole, uh, you know, idea of this podcast here. And let, yeah, let so, Sam Altman then, you know, what India can't do and, you know, what $10 million can't do and where it can't run on, on developing products or, or strategies. So 10 million, my fund would have been a good $150 million, you know, algo fund. So, I think about three years back when uh, Jaiko Publications approached me to do a book, they wanted it actually initially on cyber security. Now for me, cyber security at that point in time was too small a subject to deal with because I also felt that, you know, cyber security itself was being uh, shaped by a lot of machine learning and AI. So I sort of planted the seed in them and I told them, I said, why don't we do, do a book on artificial intelligence? So they asked me whether it will be too technical. I said, no, uh, we will, because see, Jayco All Said and Done is a book for the masses. So Correct. they told me that, you know, the kind of audience that they have, they want something that will appeal to everybody to students. I said, yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind at that point in time to do it for, you know, more as an informative book so that if anybody picks it up, they'll have enough of understanding of technology, of business and the applications, which is far more important because see, if you want to read a book just on technology, I would rather read Andrew Ning, I would do a course in Coursera, I would become a developer. That's not the purpose. You know, I don't want to become a Jeff Dean or an Andrew Ning or a Jeffrey Hinton for that matter of fact. But most people here just want to use they might want to become a prompt engineer. They might want to become, just use prompts more intelligent. They may just want to use a, a AI and understand how if they're already in the BFSI field, for instance, how is AI helping them? Or they want to understand if they're in the retail field or in oil and gas or wherever they are, whichever sector they are, they may want to understand. And that's exactly the purpose of the book. Uh, Jaiko loved the idea, he told me. And then for me, uh, the, at that point in time, because of the bandwidth constraints also, I uh, thought of a few uh, sort of who could co-author this book with me and I uh, with Jayant like we used to talk a lot about AI and you know at that point in time there was no generative AI we used to know. so but we used to talk very deeply about a lot of uh, transformers on AI where the entire field is headed and since both were I've been a tech writer for more than three decades uh, Jayant himself has been for over two decades he himself has been doing a lot of deep tech consultancy etc so there was that meeting of minds and for us like the last 12 to 15 years we ourselves have been discussing these topics threadbare. I, I thought it was a very logical thing for my comfort level with Jayant, his comfort level with me made a lot more sense and then also you know since we both talk to industrialists on a very regular basis and he his is more of a deep dive with industrialists, I thought that would be a lovely you know meeting point where I get in the whole perspective of a policy of the 360 degree kind of stuff, a lot of interviews with the head honchos and Jayant would bring in the deep dives on getting down an actual implementation since he's his is also an advisory and consultancy. So there's that, you know, the whole synergy was very, very apparent. And of course, it took us, I mean, there were so many pivots during the book. I mean, by the yeah, time, sure. uh, by the time we actually, I still remember in 2021, Jayko asked me, okay, he's saying, how is the book progressing? I said, see, I write, I can easily write a 2000 word article in a day. So for me to write a 60,000 word, it's a, it's a kid's stuff. But the problem is you're dealing with a subject like artificial intelligence and on a daily basis is changed. So I said, Typically, what happens, print publications have got this habit of a, at least a four to six months publication time, which everybody 
is well aware. Now, you know, even if you are very current, you will still be quite obsolete by the time your book is written. So that was a big challenge for us when we were doing this book. So what we decided was to make it to, you know, present it more in the form of a kind of a textbookish thing where people will understand, pick up any chapter. Like for instance, I even if you are a developer, like there are some developers who said, if I'm a nerd, will will the book benefit me? I said, see, if you're the nerd who's playing around with Python and with uh, any other programming tool, Python or any other one for that matter of fact, and you feel that you understand enough of machine learning, then there are so many other topics for you to understand the application because you may not know where it is being applied and you will definitely not be up to speed as far as the ethics part is. So that's also a very, very important consideration right. today. If you, you're well aware that in today's time, we already embed the whole design aspect in when you're doing a machine learning project because those things are extremely important today that you think very different. So this book has everything for everyone. That's the way we look at it. And hopefully the audience will also feel the same. Uh, Jen, what do you think? Do you want to have this book into a sequel? (laughs) So, okay. First edition, second edition, third edition in future as as things are evolving so fast. And Uh, Jacko also will have the reason to keep publishing and republishing. So like how Leslie mentioned, I mean, the last two and a half years writing this book has been a journey. Okay, And that's also because AI as a domain and as technology and fact on our day-to-day lives has been has evolved, right? In fact, when, you know, Leslie approached me, co-authored this book, it was a, just a blink decision for me to say yes. Because more than anything else, it was the it was the comfort with Leslie. Okay, both of us have been at conferences, host some of the best and the biggest and flagship technology conference in the country. And I am a speaker at some of them. And when we discuss how to run the conference or, or what what talked about, our discussions, like, we, you know, keep finishing each other's sentence. Okay, so that's the kind of, that's a kind of uh, relationship and the synchronistic, you know, relationship we had. So, you know, that's why when, when he came and asked, I said, it was great, I'm, I'm in. And two things, because this book also talks about AI and India, and both of them are extremely important, interesting topic for me and the uh, topics that I'm passionate about. But, you know, to your question, will there be a school? For me, uh, if I have to give an analogy of the experience and what it was about writing this book, honestly, in, in today's day and age, the way AI is evolving, capturing something of AI's evolution in something as static as a book, you know, mind you, a book is a 80,000 word, uh, you know, static thing, it, it gets printed and it stays there for long, right? It's not a blog, you can't update it, it's not till, it, it's like, you know, taking a picture of a Formula One car while it's on the race circuit and, you know, going around at 300 kilometers per second or 200 plus miles per hour, sorry, okay, and taking a picture of it and using that picture to predict the end of the race, predict the standing, who's going to win and praying that, you know, you don't have rain during the race or the pit strats don't get put up and all of that stuff. So by extension, you know, you're actually putting your neck on the line. But it was a great challenge. And just because it was that kind of challenge and less, I cannot do this doing with anyone else except for Leslie because you actually need a lot of confidence okay? and in tackling a subject just evolving so fast that way. And Leslie did a great job as well. I mean, you know, there were some chapters by the time we finished, you know, the, the domain and the technology had evolved further. So he had to go back and, you know, fine tune them, rewrite them. Okay? And, and he's done a great job uh, that way, editing the book, being the leading author of Will there be a sequel, you know, two, three, purely basis how the this one is evolving? There is a lot more to be said. Let me put it that way. There is a lot more said and captured. But will we be doing that anytime in a hurry? We're not sure. We haven't talked about it beyond. Yeah, and, and Kapil, there's another, you know, perspective. Let me add out there. See, there's a lot of, currently what happens is when, I mean, you're well aware that you're in this field. Also. So whenever there's a new technology, there's a lot of hype around. Correct. Now, it you know, it's just what, seven, eight months now, November to August that we have had chat Already, many people are forgetting at this point in time that there are a lot of class action suits against OpenAI. Now, if these class action 
action should actually materialize open ai was going to have a very big problem just tackling them at this that could you know set back the entire thing on generative ai for some time because even enterprises require a lot more confidence before they adopt gen ai too okay. because gen ai is not the normal nlp it goes it takes it a little beyond that it creates generates new content new images in fact anything that has a structure as we say in the book also anything that has a structure it can you know make information out of that because it just not it just does not seek patterns and make new prediction this is generating entirely new content entirely new images entirely new video entirely it can even do drug discovery Correct. so many other things so that in itself is going to take a lot of time i like to make that distinction with jayant likes very much as ai 1.0 and ai 2.0 now i think that transition is going to take time so even if we were to do a sequel it's rather you know it makes more sense to wait and watch because there's enough material in this book itself which uh, like for instance we know that transformers are the base for all these llm where have transformers gone we have discussed transformers trade by even in right. the book and that that technology is actually the foundation for llm so really it doesn't change and the foundational models which very few people realize even today are very different so llms are a kind of a offset or a subset of you know the foundational models foundational models are deeper and they will make a very significant dif- difference but they were already there that they were in the work at that point now that we have introduced the twin flames or the soul brothers behind this book i want to come down to the meat of it because of whatever i've done gone through my career doing whatever which we now loosely different foundational technologies in ai how do you see and our prime minister modi actually making a statement that there is india in ai in the joint houses in the us how do you see this ai and the opportunity in ai evolving before we go uh, deeper into different sectors and risk and the mitigants and how do we regulate that both from a services from a product and other issues as our country moves forward so i'll take a 360 degree view of this basically because i interact with ministers uh, uh, you know quite often because of we call them for the interviews and then of course there are lots of interviews that are happening throughout the time so i won't say that i perfectly understand the mind of the government but have a fair view of how they operate now if you look at india i think one thing that both jayant and uh, i have said in the book also where we are very clear about one thing that if you're talking about ai there are two kind of segment one is the hardcore deep research that is done on say llm for that of fact foundational models or the ai part now we all know that ai as a concept itself uh, machine learning and deep learning all the advances have been done in the west whether they have been done by indians or first generation indians or whether they have been done by westerners really doesn't matter but most of it has been come from silicon valley or from china or from you know most of those countries that's because of the r&d budgets that's because of the deep pockets that they have india is extremely good on the application space so i don't think the government is really wrong in saying that india is as far as ai is concerned that AI, india is one of the it has got a lot of mind space definitely because if i have an llm where do i implement it <laughs> i mean india is the right place to do it if i want right. to understand flood flood forecasting if i want to understand how ai can help ai for social good ai for poverty ai for the, where do i go i have to go to a country like india which is also has got the skill set which has got the developers and which has got that whole ecosystem around it yeah ai uh, for us it's i think a little uh, difficult on the top level and the r&d level to do ai because of the semiconductor lack of semiconductor we have a tremendous a very very robust design and ecosystem uh, the edsm part of it amazing uh, but yes on semiconductors we all agree that we do not have the below 10 nanometer kind of semiconductor fab we are trying to get the 14 nanometer ones which will create chips more for uh, say automotive for smart tv for those kind of things but 
not for the yeah industrial app which is just fine so definitely ai if you look at the 2018 uh, niti ayog policy it's one of AI the most policy. amazing doc yeah it's one of the most amazing documents yeah. that i have seen we now are getting into the digital india act we already slowly but surely we got the digital protection bill the data digital data protection, protection, data protection bill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so now that is already there that is waiting for the presidential assent that is going to make life pretty interesting from the point of view of at least we got a privacy bill in place we'll get the digital india act also so yes clearly there are quite a few things uh, that india needs to do but we are getting there slowly but surely given our limitations we are pretty good on the quantum space and uh, my sense is that quantum computers will accelerate the speed at which ai is moving once we uh, the fault tolerance and the stability of quantum computers is uh, you know addressed at some point in time we will get there so i feel personally which we have i said we have said in the book also that we india is on a good india is on good it's a good place to yeah, be yeah. so Jent, your take, take is it going to be products or is it going to be services so, where are we going to be okay, let, really excelling yeah, let me answer that question by first filling in my points on what leslie mentioned about india and ai what we tackled in the book is also you know to look at india as a innovator as a back end service provider for global ai developed right i mean our right. services kp you and your uh, right. pro, you know providing you mentioned a lot of that in your uh, lengthy introduction right that and the third as a market for ai technology solution products and services adopt okay so we actually looked at all uh, in india as these under these three characteristics okay on the, or under three lens as an innovator as a back end services enabler for ai development and as a market right and we talked about that that as well but to i want to emphasize on what less said some of the social impact ai innovation that can do that you can do only in india i mean like flood forecasting population health registries in healthcare okay even our upi and india stack is one of its kind okay right. now the kind of payment transaction data and the profiling that can built and a whole lot of products and services that can built in the financial services space even at a micro level okay is possible of india stack and again you know let's talk about the data protection bill there in last year mark tamil nadu came up with tamil nadu's data policy right the state right. of tamil nadu it is one of the most progressive data policies that i have seen anywhere in the world i mean the data policy talks about establishing data fiduciary chief data officers for you know government agents okay so our government uh, led by meet and the ayog is also at a lot of progressive step okay so india that way is extremely well placed and i agree with leslie that we'll be working a lot on the application space not so much on the core technology or the foundational technology area because of two reasons one of the things that leslie al- already mentioned which we don't have supporting enabler driver technologies like semiconductor semiconductor pads and huge data farms that are required and all of that and second and this i'd like to actually is my view on sam altman's answer is we don't need to honestly we don't need to because you know one on the service layer on the application layer if innovate there's already a whole lot of innovation headroom that is available for us and that can do which we can absorb in this market itself and i guess you know the returns on that kind of innovation is is much more uh, interesting and uh, profitable and makes sense for uh, like india okay than anything else and you ask products or services and i would say both okay both because indian product i am based out of bangalore i work very close startups from here been worked for the last years both on the uh, investment ecosystem and the entrepreneurial right indian products are now being implemented globally especially right. the enterprise as product so products and services definitely because you know guess what india has become a services led economy okay right. out of the 28 states 23 in 23 states the leading industry is service in three it's agriculture in two it's manufacturing that's all so india itself is as a market is being led uh, you know becoming a services led economy okay which is exactly what the west is you know the white world or the uh, developed world 775 uh, services led right so it only makes sense that ai development implementation innovation is also service
led and also AI service and they will be absorbed for the for the India market and, and Globius. But you know, to your question, I would say both products and service. Yeah, Great. I would, uh, Kapil, I would just like to add something on, you know, that uh, because you refer to Modi and of course, uh, Ashwini Vaishnav who spoke about the India GPT for Correct. Now, can we really have an India GPT? Of course, you know, at, when you look at it at face value, you will always, you know, there are people will raise objections saying that we do not have the computing power, we do not have. But what we also conveniently forget is that we have the very rich data set. Correct. You know, the kind of data set that nobody in the world yeah. has it. And these Correct. are the kind of data sets that we provide, you know, and we can always have a fewer parameter kind of GPT. It doesn't have to be 1 trillion parameters or uh, 175 billion parameters. Nowadays, Lama and all are getting uh, anywhere from 7 uh, billion parameters to 70 billion, 13. Uh, 70 billion parameters. So all these things are possible with fewer parameters. Also, you know, a lot of AI and ML is being used in like uh, ISRO makes a lot of low cost. Sat. Imagine the amount of you. How can you really, you know, uh, uh, send a rocket to space today and uh, understand all the data, uh, the patterns in the data without using AI and ML? So obviously a lot is, so is our, being our done. Chandrayaan 3, the world famous Chandrayaan 3 is going to land with AI now. Exactly. It has to moon. be. In fact, if I, it is successful, I wrote about it. Yeah. They learned something from the previous failure. They yeah. increased the parameters. The different systems were now tweaked and there is higher chance of success of its landing on the South Pole. Yeah, yeah we are all hoping for that. I have an anecdotal question here. You see, AI or whatever in its form in infancy started with the vision that, you know, systems should be able to do what a human brain does. Now, I was uh, on a dinner table with the head of Lilly Neuroscience for a, on a drug discovery project and he is a ex-Harvard professor in neuroscience. And he remarked during that dinner meeting is that the life sciences and humans have yet to discover 95% of human brain function. And that was in 2008. So when we talk about the headroom and where AI or where this whole progress will go across with generative AI in life sciences and the acceleration or understanding of human brain, I think we would be able to create a human brain mimicking AI perfectly, maybe by what, 10 years, 20 years? And where do you think who will win that race? You want me to take it? Today, it is, as I understand, maybe 95% of uh, human yes, brain yeah, was undiscovered by science so. in 2008. <laughs> maybe with generative AI and all this, it may be 50%. We still have 50% headroom of what a human brain is doing and that is not yet machine learned. Let me give you an anecdotal uh, way of looking at it. You see, I was my previous life, uh, which even chat GPT won't know. I was a Jesuit. A Jesuit means I was studying to be a priest and Correct. very few people know that. So now at that point of time, somebody asked, why did you? So I became an agnostic and then of course, I'm an atheist, then an agnostic and I just got out of the entire system. So people asked, typically asked, like, okay, why did you move on? So I said, you know, because I'm interested more in life before that rather than life after that, you know, because those carrots in the sky don't make too much sense for me at this point. Uh, very similar, you know, the question is, whenever this question is posed as to whether AI will become sentient, whether it will mimic the human brain. Honestly, you know, for me, this is a distraction more than anything else. Yeah. One is, I think because one is because people have a very poor understanding of how the brain functions. I think the neuroscientists really nailed it when uh, the person said that 80 billion, 86 billion neurons, 80 billion neurons, you can catch any figure. I think after anything, after a billion, to wrap a head around it, it's <laughs> like near to impossible. Yeah. And then, you know, the hundred trillions of synapses, you know, the kind of connections that we have out there, not to talk about the glions, the dendrites and blah, blah. How sophisticated the brain. And basically, I don't think machines are really trying to emulate the brain. Artificial neural networks are, even if they want, currently what happened, they're trying to connect them to the human brain. That's a different issue. But if you look at ANN, then they don't function the way the brain functions. This is an input-output layer with deep layers, thousands of layers 
or whatever, however much, however many layers you want to put over there, then trying to match everything. It's, and look at the computing power that you require. Even the brain requires computing power, but the brain is already connecting so many things. Like for instance, I'm uh, looking, at, we, are, we are participating in this video call. I don't need uh, LiDAR here to zoom in directly onto you. I'm doing that autofocus immediately. I don't need AI to do it. I'm talking, I'm thinking about something, I'm framing a question, I'm also trying to respond to somebody else, then suddenly there could be some distraction where maybe Jayant would interrupt or you would interrupt or you would say, no, what do you think about it? I still have to respond to that. I wonder what AI machine can do that at this point in time or at any given point in time. One is because machines think very linearly. They want to get their job done. That is the strength of a machine, that it doesn't get distracted. It doesn't suffer from ADHD that we suffer. So it, it the reason it accomplishes a task with so much precision is because it's allowed to focus on just a simple task. It is task-oriented. It does the task, gets out of the way. Imagine it starts functioning like us, like our human brain. It will be as confused as us, which is exactly what Marvin Minsky said 60 years back, that I am not afraid of sentient machine because if yeah. they mimic the human brain, they'll be as confused and as foolhardy as we are. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not too sure whether we would want to make it like the human brain. Yes, would we like to connect it to the human brain and work different, different kinds of things to make life easy? Yeah, definitely. We're doing that with robots. Look at Sophia. I mean, Sophia is now currently a low-end robot. There are many more sophisticated robots despite it. Or how? What do we call as a robot? It? Or... <laughs> no, he, she, it, whatever now. Yeah, it, whatever. whatever no, Sophia has also attended the Pride event now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. about 8 to 10 robots have started pontificating on how to how the world should be done. So obviously, they're being fed <laughs> with humans only. So you can make out the human kind of, you know, confusion that ranks among us. Because see, we are not sure about things. If we start telling machines to mimic the human brain, they'll be equally confused. So I think that's a good spot to be in if you're afraid of AI. So let's not bother about the headroom for development of AI at this point in time then. Yeah, I mean, think yeah. it's I think it's a distraction more than anything else because then you'll start wondering whether AI is, then you'll have those discussions around killer robots. Then you'll have a discussion around Terminator. Then you'll have a discussion around Skynet. My, and we'll forget that the amount of good that AI is being doing in enterprises. Look at you and me. We are still talking and it's already, you know, doing the autofocus. It's adjusting the brightness. We are looking at our smartphones. The smartphones are full of AI. We go, today, look at banking has become so simple. You get an alert if somebody is trying to you make a phishing attack or something else. You get an alert immediately. Moment you get out of a thing, the bank will alert you. Sir, are you out of the country? You know, you have suddenly make a purchase. Life has been, you know, we are, we are always looking at the negative because we always, as I say, try to seek a fly in the ointment. Are we trying to, you know, also look at the kind of good that made the life of a radiologist so much more simpler. It is helping in drug discovery. What used to take hundreds of years probably now will be done in probably days. So the benefit to mankind is equally, I think it it will balance it out. Now, will the good part of it outweigh the risk? It depends on who you're asking the question. If you're asking uh, Tristan Hare of the Center for, uh, is it the Human Democracy? I forget the name of that. Uh, but Tristan Hare, for instance, the guys who have done the AI dilemma. Clearly, they have also pointed it out to the negatives of it. I'm not saying, but can we throw the baby with the bathwater is a big question mark. So you talked about Sophia and uh, David uh, Hansen, uh, the developer. You know, Hansen Robotics. Hansen yeah, Robotics. He was here and I had a long chat and then he was looking for uh, investment and David Chen, his CFO, also had a long conference call with us to see if, if this is an investable proposition. And we were looking at medical applications because that's where we invest. And what happened was that right from nursing and observation itself said it's too far away. The, the robot was still in that conversational phase of doing things. It did not have 
the clinical pathways and ability to decide and trigger alarms and stuff like that. So even robotics to an extent have their own limited focus, whatsoever you may say. And obviously we know that robots have been used for self-defense and you know other purposes. But I wanted to discuss how would robots and AI really integrate in future? Would like what we are now having chatbot, will that happen as a AI bot or what's the terminology you're going to give in future? AI, AI is going to bring some of the robots, right? Other than, I mean, without AI, robots are, you know, just hands and yeah, limbs and machines, right? And physical machines. So, and it's already happening. Most of the robots in right now are being powered by AI and AI have the brain to whatever extent AI is being developed. Your earlier point, yeah, I agree with uh, Leslie that talking about sentient AI is really a trash because we humans still don't know enough of ourselves, okay? Correct. And and intelligence is just one of our facts, you know, our physical limb movement was one which got automated by industrial era. Then intelligence and we hardly know you know i have to agree with your harvard there that hard for it but then there's that much more that makes us human right there are most there's gut instinct this thing we don't even know where that comes from okay and when we don't know how are we going to create or develop machine to do that but if you have to just replicate machine uh sorry replicate human we are anyway doing that right we reproduce there are eight billion of us you know to leslie's point and to marvin's point okay what good is making a machine as good as a human if it's going to be as confused and foolhardy as us okay and and we are anyway you know creating more more humans so why do that with Michigan? And you are trying to get rid of trying to get rid of the biases. You are trying to get rid yeah. of you know so many other things. I mean, really, do you want another species that is? <laughs> it's like Star Wars, some sci-fi yeah. matrix or something like that. Hey, having discussed the where the progress and the headroom and opportunity for AI and maybe for India, I want to focus back on India and issues around India and you know AI development. Leslie also pointed out, you know, I've been on the board of Institute of Ayurveda Integrative Medicine. Now people they collect ancient scriptures languages on parchment and stuff like that which have been found in people's basement and homes wrapped around partially destroyed and they try to decipher that first into sanskrit and then you know translate with the different researchers into different languages in india now what i felt was traditional sciences itself is such a huge body of expertise in india which we have lost somewhere in our struggle for independence in the british era itself and second, you know, as an ancient civilization, there were a lot of good things and a lot of bad things also that has happened, which we seem to have lost out. And then there are different dialects and languages. This itself, what I feel could be a big headroom for development of our native artificial intelligence and what we can build as a market on. Huh? That's exactly what I said. Rajiv Chandrasekhar has spoken about the kind of data set Correct. that we have. I yeah. mean, this is exactly what he was referring to. We, we generally tend to forget the kind of richness that we have out there. I mean, because much of the conversation about ancient traditions and all get lost with, you know, those hyperboles about uh, Vamana and, you know, the mythology. To say, yeah, the mythology, mixing of mythologies, which, you know, confuse science with a lot of other kind of things. I think instead of focusing on that, rather focus on the kind of uh, amazing wealth of knowledge that we have in Vedas. The, the I mean, look at the Rig Veda, the Sam Veda, the Yajur Veda, you know, Atharva Veda and all these uh, things. And the other texts that we have, I mean, it, it, I'm so proud of this kind of heritage that we have. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure a lot can be done by studying and, you know, making things because AI and Indian languages, as you rightly said, I mean, we have just 22 official languages, but there are a whole hundred Correct. thousands of dialects that we have out there. Correct. Every five kilometers, the dialect keeps on changing. So it is like hard for any human being to do seek patterns out of that, which AI can do a fantastic job. And I think Jayant would know a lot more on this yeah. because he works very closely with some of these Indian language There's companies. The institute in Mysore, which I visited 
did and we collaborated on you know, genetic Indian genome with language itself and we are at a very nascent stage also for being able to understand the evolution of different genetic species. Mind you, Indian gene is almost 80 odd percent coverage of the worldwide genome itself. So that by itself is a big area of opportunity for India to understand and export for the world to leverage on. Do you agree with that or do you disagree with this? I'm no, just opening first, uh, issues no, first in of terms all, of I, India I think, as a hub for AI. No, I think we are in, we are trying to generalize a lot of things here. Okay. Let's first understand that India is extremely unique. Okay. Every and every few hundred kilometers in this country, you have a different language, different culture, different food. Okay. Correct. And you know, people behaving different and people living, leading their daily lives on it. The thing is, we are and, and India has its own economy. Okay. And that way, and that is something that we've captured in our in our book as well. In fact, one of the things that we captured in our book is most of the global digital, uh, you know, technology company came, okay, and wanted to set up shop in India uh, because India, what, contributed in 18 first world population, a big headroom for them to grow. And they all fell flat on their face the first time of their end. Everyone, take Motorola, my, I was next Motorola, you know, we know the story. Motorola, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, everyone. Then they go back, okay, uh, with burnt fingers, you know, they give India a miss for a few years. Then next time they come with a very specific India strat, okay. And India, that way, demands that not just the way the economy hey, okay. Now, you know, if you want to take the entire AI development and also, you know, have a blanket strat for here, okay, it won't work. I mean, you know, even from a consumption economy point of view, okay, we might be 100 and, you know, 1.4 billion population, but not all of us are, con- okay. Uh, there are a lot of different prior- priorities that come and even the people who can afford it are not discretionary spending it, okay, because you have to understand the history and the culture that, that they're coming with and thereby, okay, even the AI development for India should make sense for the different pocket, okay, classes, okay, of the population here and the business, number one, the innovation, the productize, the services and the business model and the go-to market has to be customized for those pockets, okay, and then it will, it makes sense. So that way, the AI development for India will be very India-specific and, you know, we've seen one or two examples of digital platforms that have evolved that way and that could have been done only in the case of India Mind. I come back to India Stack and BI again, okay, we didn't inherit that platform anywhere from West. Okay, now in fact, India, India stand being deployed across the world. Okay, but it has been developed to solve their problem across four or five different dimensions that I just spoke about. Okay, and once we did that at scale, okay, now we can take it to the to the world. And in the same way, opportunity exists in innovating that way across dimension, in economy, in healthcare, education, not just okay, in ring out to the last mile. Okay, and making it sense for them and thereby you know generate revenue out of it. No, was it Pralat Kakar's book uh, which was which was bottom of the pyramid? Bottom of the pyramid, right? The, yeah. the treasure in the bottom of the pyramid, right? I mean, getting back to that, I think that's a decade old book, but it makes so much sense for India to, you know, those things need to be understood and, and AI development also need to be broken down, need to be done ground up and then probably, you know, connected. Okay, the dots need to be connected, the connectivity tissue need to be developed and then scaled. Pan India number one and beyond. Okay, let's focus on India. You know, India had a great telecom mobile revolution and in your book also, you mentioned about mobile first to AI first. Now, you've also given examples of various sectors where AI has been leading and in some sectors has been lagging as well as far as the world is concerned. Uh, if you we were to kind of go as an AI first country, uh, what are the sectors you will bet first who could be the lead for India to become an AI first country in the world? BFSA by far. Yeah, yeah. Because I it's, it's, it's famous, like, famous. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, we are very strong in the digital public infrastructure space. Correct. So BFSA by far, we have a very robust kind of banking system. Them. Regulatory bodies are one of the most robust in the world. For the data analytics platform, 
wherever uh, you know whichever sector uses data <laughs> it for analytics is a logical conclusion ai is another logic so obviously telecom sector retail hospitality healthcare these are like you know sort of i would say sitting ducks would be a wrong <laughs> but they lend low hanging so, <laughs> yeah low, low hanging they lend themselves so easily to ai even for that matter of fact oil and gas and all the kind of uh, industrial uh, yeah because we sometimes you know look at all these low hanging fruit uh, sectors uh, and then forget that extremely in the industrial sectors have a lot of sensors so look at the kind of data that they like oil and gas for if i want to see where to where do i dig where do i have my next oil rig or what do i do over there they have been using it very routinely for all the kind of uh, you know exploration activities etc so i don't know of any one sector that is even not there in there yeah i think that the question should be which sector can really say that i have not been using ai unless it's something which is a very very manual thing which probably there's no return on investment in the sector or human labor so cheap that's another issue out here where you don't find any much much sense in having ai where you can't scale it up and get it to the volumes game otherwise i think most sectors in india lend themselves yeah okay I'm, i'm the analyst and the strategy consultant so let me give you my view on sure. i clearly agree with uh, leslie bfsi and especially payment by a discount clearly the top industry the next one is going to healthcare for the last two and a half years i've been neck in healthcare the first months i helped a company grow and get acquired by babylon health biggest health tech world okay and for the last two years i've been heading strategy for uh, you know global one of the biggest trillion dollar you know technology company tech giant right their health ai one and i've seen what can be done okay and just like upi which was done at population scale the healthcare healthcare meaning and and the impact has also been attempted and has been done at population scale in one of the states of the country okay and the reason why i say healthcare is a close second for ai innovation implementation in india is because the western healthcare the so called structured healthcare market uh, market delivery are not conducive for ai innovation honest because the Correct. ehrs that have been implemented in us and k okay have been done for the pro- uh, providers okay and the insurance here it's actually done for the citizen who also happens to be the healthcare benefit and the guy who pays out of pocket okay so you know that way the ai implementation and innovation healthcare is healthcare is right and the third i would say would be retail because again what's happening with payments that is going to have a con- you know cascading effect on retail and our consumption economy so the our con- retail and consumption economy third uh, this which is going to have a lot of scope for ai innovation and implementation in india and the fourth i would say i'll take only four industries and there's quite a gap between each of them mind and the fourth would media and uh, because again OTT we are one of the enough. biggest consumers yeah. one of we are the one of the biggest consumers of entertainment and yeah okay uh, in the world okay. and there a lot of ai innovation in terms of hyper personalization in terms of analytics and and everything is going to happen there and most important india being a multilingual country a lot of ai based dubbing subtitling you know the media converge okay, is going to happen there so these are my four uh, industries of choice i just wanted to beg with you on the healthcare point because i invest a lot i see a lot of startup and all so there are couple of things and correct me if i am wrong in my assessment because there's always in healthcare any technology adoption there is always risk of life we need to we need to figure out the business yeah. model in, in healthcare yeah. it cannot happen unless until the big uh, business model is figured Now, and that's uh, probably the biggest and the only barrier that we have ai depends on data and any wrong data input and medical errors could lead to a lot of catastrophic you know results and in fact even we could call it as i don't want to be very harsh but could lead to any fatal event which is right. why you know like in our mobile and previous it phases it was always bfsi or financial services which is always the first innovator and healthcare is always the sixth or the seventh or the last one to enter into the innovation curve and i felt that we still not able to in fact when we were doing the chatbot 
support for even for triaging whether a person has COVID or not. We had a lot of problems on language itself. We were and we were using the back end of the 23 languages of Azure uh, on the cloud and still there was a lot of interpretation issues for us to ensure that you know we had to doubly check what he said or what he was typing so that we couldn't let you know even one person go on a false negative huh? out because that could be dangerous right so although and then we have seen you know Google Health failing IBM Watson failing and then they're pulling the plug even Microsoft Health Vault failing which was the the core data repository not just in India but globally and now DeepMind is trying to do something on healthcare not yet uh, successful not yet proven we need like clinical trials a lot of trial to be done before and there are no regulations at this point in time so I wanted to discuss also on the regulatory aspect of healthcare and other sectors on use of AI but uh, this is where I beg to differ that healthcare would always be the last person in the door and what we are also lagging is our failure of health UPI which is not taken off so right. I, I think what perhaps I think we need to make a differentiation out here when we're talking about healthcare because I think the, both of you have raised very valid points I mean see clearly a lot of machine learning and uh, this thing has been used in uh, AI I mean I think uh, right from the prediction of uh, the pandemic itself I mean Correct. we all remember the company called Blue Dot which Correct. managed to alert a lot of its uh, clients about the pandemic else you know many of these alerts probably would have not even known about so clearly there's immense amount of benefit in the kind of stuff so I think the segmentation ought to be made here when it directly affects the lives of people so whether it's working at the back end which is what Jayant is referring to most of the stuff that is there where we are creating a lot of work for the back end part of it like the Coven platform is a classic example in India I mean there's a tremendous amount of work that has been done Manipal hospitals and all have invested I mean yes they have been using Watson could have been the <laughs> that's not that, out I think, yeah let's not I've it. written they a have, blog uh, also on it yeah but they, they created Watson X after that everybody is yeah. going with the X actor nowadays but <laughs> other than that I'm saying where, where it impacts the lives of person directly is where what we are talking about is keeping humans in the loop which is a very very important part of AI and which every regulation today is pointing out that keep humans in the loop when talking about these unsupervised kind of thing it's good as far as LLMs are concerned but even there you require the kind of human supervision the human moderation even if the costs are higher it may increase the cost for the model uh, but at the same time it would probably complement where humans and machines work and collaborate together that's an extremely important aspect of it I mean where it doesn't uh, impact human life where it doesn't impact things where the processes are established and become very mature there perhaps you may not want that uh, kind of bureaucracy uh, human bureaucracy interfering with it but where uh, these kind of sensitive matters are concerned yes definitely and I think a lot of stuff is being happening I think Jayant in your policy also the Tamil Nadu I'm sure there's yeah, a lot of human intervention a lot of oh, human moderation that I don't think yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. can do it without human moderation no, no. So, so I mean I wouldn't throw the baby with the bar- bath water and say that nothing exactly. is working I would just say that yes you require a lot of human intervention uh, laws are pretty strong the HIPAA law for instance very very strong laws in India and even our uh, paper architecture that we developed in the, UP, uh, data, health UPI. the data, the data yeah. uh, empowerment and protection architecture right. is one of the most well thought out and progressive architectures when it when it comes to protecting the consumers or the individual or the citizen data their right okay their consent but at the same time okay making the data available for valuation in terms of innovation okay that's one of the best architectures and, and the frameworks anywhere in the world you know and this was developed by the same iceberg team which uh, worked on the UPI okay the Correct. India stack so and you know those are getting implemented and you know so okay uh, Kapil I'd, I'd urge you to look up Tamil Nadu's population health and see mm. what they've done and where they've okay and then you can see that data screening the data 
privacy and security and the country management uh, policies okay uh, scale population scale in healthcare are put in place and how they're all work so that's a very good example okay so yeah i guess that's that's that i want to just close this podcast on regulation because you know jayant and leslie both of you have been talking to a lot of our politicians and regulators and you know now the election season will hit in so a lot of fake news and a lot of content uh, generation will come in and all these other fears of whatever this ai will do so how do you see that what would be a model ai framework or regulatory system how do we address this fake news and content regulation and generation the intellectual property who owns it protection and confidentiality issues we also talked briefly about the biases prejudices and ethics and then accountability of artificial intelligence how do we do back back checking like we had to do for our algos in our hedge fund you know that accountability that it is 88% coverage or accurate or whatever then publishers and and people who are into the service provisioning of you know ai models competition and then misuse of ai all these are kind of in nascent stage how is this really now going to be a very comprehensive we talked about data protection and some of it is now getting addressed where do you think this will move and how do you think this whole thing will get regulated leslie this is your most passionate subject chris panther yeah i mean you have a yeah. fantastic just that uh, no, the book, when it was written and i think when it was updated and published no, no, i think there is a little bit of a gap and that's what i was yeah. just trying to fill in in this podcast as well no i i think india has done a fantastic job on this particular thing i know there are a lot of critics who may disagree with me but i still feel despite all the limitations that we have had see because you asked about 15 16 questions in that single statement so of those yours, are just pointers you, yeah and yeah but even those pointers are like so deep like we could have a podcast you, you of are, its own yeah you know that many of those things uh, don't translate into laws directly uh, many of them get addressed like the trademarks they have specific laws ip they have specific laws and all are covered under the sections of either the uh, crpc or the the other well thought out uh, ipc laws that we have in Correct. this country but other than that i think we clearly had the it act 2000 which was then you had the rules 2011 after that then after that now we are getting the digital india act now the interesting part about the digital india act is other than the digital protection bill the data digital protection bill that we have uh, the digital india act has got it will sort of the it act will be subsumed by that that's the whole idea but it does not have a separate legislation on ai so ai is still going to be a kind of a gray area over here and i think the government has a very good reason for so my understanding again i'm saying i am reading between the lines of what the government has said because there is not a single document that can say that this is what the government is saying or this is what the or nobody can say with surety i am saying it this is my personal take this is not what mint is saying this is not what anybody this is my personal take is that the government is the the sense that i am getting from whatever i am reading is that the government does not want to put a clear law for ai at this point in time because it feel that it wants it to grow it wants to explore the kind of applicant doesn't want to become a hurdle out here you know it doesn't want to sort of stifle the growth of ai by putting too many fences around it without even understanding where this animal is going and i think that's a very yeah. sensible approach at this point in time because you know simply curbing something just because you don't understand what the animal is all about and look at the kind of scary proposition that people are going ai is getting sentient now if you start listening to everybody yeah, under yeah, the yeah. sun yeah i mean if you start listening to everybody under the sun you're going to have a serious problem when it comes to policy making yes certain people have a clear understanding they're saying okay if you're coming you should focus on jobs you should focus on this no a government cannot do that a government has to take a holistic view and have to has to address each and every segment it has to look at enterprises it has to look at uh, individuals it has to look at jobs it has to look at everything i think they're doing pretty decent 
decent job are they doing an excellent job uh, that's always you know it's a work in progress with the digital india act there will be a lot of semblance on certain combined with digital data protection bill and we have very very strong laws in country implementation has always been there okay i am not mm-hmm. getting into implementation part of it yeah, that no. we all know yeah so, so but it's laws, like you know I will what the, the it's like what government did on crypto let it lose and then yeah. when it when when there were issues of misuse and then then plug it with one bill and uh, one taxation look, look and at, uh, you know no, ideally ideally that's, you know, that's why that's how it's supposed to be any which when something is nascent and infant and it's growing and it's growing in different dimensions and direct you can't put guardrails not knowing you know where it become restricted no exactly you'll become prevent stifle the innovation okay? so you know and by that sense indian government and regulators and policies have been extremely this one i mean even in our economy we have one of i mean 2008 and the recent you know recession as well when india is uh, able to you know overcome all of this is because our regulators have been very this very strong in terms of overstringing the banks and and some of those right so the same thinking you know goes for other areas including technology development excellent gentlemen uh, no no i just said even online gaming for that matter fact is yeah, another yeah. classic example classic example yeah, i mean you can if, if you're on that side betting, of the fence betting you and an online on, game yeah yeah, yeah. if you if no if you if you're running an online gaming company you will complain that okay, the government is harsh on if you're yeah. on the other side of the fence where you have become addicted to online gaming you will compare from the point of view of you will complain from the point of view of mental health somebody somewhere has to draw either and say and now, okay, you know online gaming has also become india pakistan love affairs <laughs> uh, so it's always good it's yeah, it's really great uh, any any parting comment from your side uh, where do you see this evolving and what do you think would be your next book or uh, collaboration together i think we already collaborate on a very close thing i guess so yeah, that thing. yeah we have we collaborate on multiple things i as a literally talk every day the, yeah we are we are collaborating on multiple projects yeah so, so we, we run that podcast called ai rising so we also yeah, i i i run this tech talk newsletter which is current about you know all the movements in generative ai jayan's own convergence catalyst advisory does a lot of stuff so we are very pretty current as far as these things see as far as the evolution is concerned i just say let's have some patience let's wait and watch rather than getting distracted with the pie in the sky and the sentient part of it and the know, flavors like, of the season yeah, yeah let's let, let, let's enjoy it we have we have and let, let's have some trust you know that the human beings are really intelligent at yeah. least some of them that they can you know and resilient yeah and resilient yeah. and they see chat gpt aa jayega jaldi so you asking chat gpt that's good by let's the way uh, i'm finally getting to see you face to face i asked chat gpt to get me an image of yours and it couldn't find one good. leslie okay. obviously has a lot on the on the okay so you could get multiple <laughs> images Jayant, of leslie jayant is under the radar <laughs> ah, it's all all black yeah, and the man even the on shadows. amazon i'm the man in the shadows even there's no photo yes, of his on amazon uh, um, that he has No, I tried uploading for some reason. Amazon didn't uh, do that. It said it's it's uploaded, but some. Anyway, yeah, I love being I love being the man in the shadows. I love you know where it count there. Where no, no, I'm just I'm just emoting what Chat GPT is. There's a there's a lot of power in. I'm just a reflection a lot, of Chat GPT in human. Yeah, there's form. a lot of power human in avatar. Great <laughs> gentleman. You you know you know you know how all the really powerful and rich guys actually you know make a lot of effort to be anonymous. So there's a power in anonymous. Well, that, that part that part I have to give it to you. You're the rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, listeners, here are the soul brothers of AI who have written the book AI Rising. And on behalf of our team, our sponsors and our audience and listeners, I really love to thank you both for making this a very interesting conversation and topic to talk about. Let me tell you, I read your book not once, but twice to get some inner meaning. And what a lovely timing to get this podcast. One was this AI, then Sam Altman's comment when he was in Delhi. Indians don't know anything. Modi ji going in White House and saying there is a India in AI. Right. 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 And there's a lot coming out of your book. It was great. I'm sure we are going to have another sequel maybe next year in a next season to get an update about, you know, what's, what's the AI rising for the next year, like a stock market index, perhaps. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast show. Hopefully. Thanks really for having enjoyed us, Kapil. talking to you uh, both. Thanks thank for having that. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.